Is it possible to go from living on the streets of LA to being the biggest band in the world in only a couple years? Is it possible to beat up your fans and still have them love you and want an autograph? Is it possible to reach the highest of the highs of rock stardom only to blow it all and lose it all? Is it possible to hate all your bandmates and never speak to them again only to speak to them again? Find out on this episode of Music Maniacs with Side After Dark as we talk about guns and roses. Alright, so welcome back everybody to the podcast. We're Side After Dark. I'm Dan Berg. I'm Sifa Graffiti. And we're also the Music Maniacs. Yeah. And we're talking about a fucking maniacal ass band. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're talking about Guns N' Roses, one of the most legendary, most rockinest bands of all time. Yeah. And I couldn't be more excited to do it. Me neither. We're right here in the middle of one of the best jungles on earth, the concrete yes. jungle. We are in the middle of the concrete jungle, <laughs> and we're here only so that we can talk about Guns N' Roses. There's no other reason why we're here in New York City exactly. but, but to talk about them. <laughs> so I don't even know where to start. There's so many different places that come together for this band to even like become a thing. Like, yeah. do we, There's Seattle. There's mm-hmm. Lafayette, Indiana. Absolutely. There's Los Angeles. Of course. Like, how do we even, how do we start it to bring all these people together? Like, I mean, uh, let's start with the front man. Let's start with Alex. Let's start. <laughs> <laughs> That's stated. <laughs> yeah, I love no. Alex Rose. <laughs> no, don't leave. <laughs> no. Okay, I'll take it out. Okay. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with the origin stories. Let's start with Axel Rose. William the Bruce. W. Axel Rose, <laughs> as he calls himself after his real father. So Axel's from a small town called Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah. And he had a fucked up childhood. Oh, I heard he was like an acolyte in the church and got like honors and like really studied classical music really hard. And mm-hmm. like his father was like adoringly sweet, like would take Axel everywhere. His like, real father or his stepfather it, or both? It, it, both of them. Like they were like the sweetest guys, like uh-huh. never touched liquor, never touched tobacco, like never abused anyone. No, like I mean, that's what I heard. But what, what did you hear? Did you hear something different? No, oh. that's exactly what I heard. Okay. I heard he his life was just all roses yeah. and love. Yeah. No, <laughs> he got <laughs> fucked up as a kid. Yeah, which makes for a great front man, I guess. But that was a terrible childhood to have to have. He um, is the epitome of the redheaded stepchild, is it not? Whoa, I didn't right? even think about that. That's so wrong. Holy shit. Oh, I'm sorry, Axel. Yeah, we if love only you. you. If only you had dark hair. Yeah. <laughs> everything would have been, been okay. Wow. But then we wouldn't have had his amazing voice. Exactly. And people say colorism doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's so crazy, though, because I, I was thinking about this. Like, There's no way that you can sing the way that he does without going through a lot of pain. Yeah. There's so much pain in his voice yeah, to be gotta, able to do the shit that he does. But It's the trauma. I mean, yeah, he was abused by his stepdad. I mean, he was, like, drugged and, like, molested. His sister was molested by yeah. him. Like, the whole fucking thing. Yeah. He was just in and out of jail yeah. for, like, his whole teenage years. Absolutely. Um, he did make a friend during these teenage years mm-hmm. um, who would go by the name of Izzy Stradlin. Yes. 
So that's something very important to note because that will become very important as the story goes on. Yes, we're going to tether to to Izzy right now. Yes. And send him on his way. Yes. <laughs> Izzy, Izzy and Axel were friends back uh-huh. in Indiana, mm-hmm. but Izzy made the first move to go to L.A. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And apparently Izzy was always just like very like to himself. He's like a kind of a quiet guy right. and he just kind of like gets shit done. Yeah. Like he wasn't so much of like a wild guy as like, yeah. you know, the rest of the band members that we'll get to. Yeah. He just seemed like kind of like a reserved kind of like, okay, like if we're going to do it, let's do it. Yeah. 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 Best kind of person to kind of like nurture. And he's on his way because he's like, if I stay here, I'm just going to end up wild and delinquent. <laughs> yeah. Nothing good is going to happen if I stay. I'm just going to end up in jail. Yeah. Or a member of the Jackson 5. But that's later. <laughs> Either or. I mean, you know, it could go. There's only two ways it could go, you know, and it's one of those two ways. Yeah. Um, so Izzy went to L.A. Mm-hmm. Axel didn't at first. Because, oh, by the way, he his real name was Bill Bailey. Yeah. And he named himself W. Axel Rose when he found out, like, his real dad's name. Yes. Which was, like, William Rose, I yes, think. Yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Um, um, so he was in and out of jail as a teenager. He got arrested, like, 20-something times before he was even, like, 17. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He pretty much had to leave Indiana. Yeah. And apparently, when <laughs> I didn't know this until recently, when he actually left, he was skipping bail. Yeah. To go to L.A. Yeah. To try to find Izzy, yeah, who was already there, yeah, right. And this is, you know, this is back in the day before, you know, Facebook mm-hmm. and cell phones, yeah. So if you're just like to even say like I'm gonna move to L.A. to find this one person, mm-hmm. it's kind of wild. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is kind of crazy. I'm also gonna tether him here to a girl who said he was kind of dating at the time, and um, she was like, "Yeah, my little brother sings too, and he'll come along a little later." Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're putting out a lot of tethers here, a lot of anchors. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lots of uh, trails for you to stay on top of. Okay. So keep on top of your shit. All right. <laughs> so then <laughs> I'm trying to get through like all the origin stories because I want to talk about the fucking band. Yeah. So then, so in LA, there was already, so there was Saul Hudson. Yes. AKA Slash. Yes. Aww. Who was given the name Slash by one of his mom's uh, friends. His mom's was a designer in L.A. and mm-hmm. Slash knew the whole L.A. crowd. And Slash used to run around all crazy and stuff like that. Yeah. And he was called Slash. Yeah. Not because he was like a hard rocking dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Him and his boy from very young age, Steven Adler, mm-hmm. they started jamming when they were like kids, just like in high school, like in their garage and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Steven Adler played the drums. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, so now we already have a, we have a lot of things going on here. Mm-hmm. We got these two coming from Indiana, coming to LA. We got these two that were already from LA. Right. And then there's another guy that'll come in from Seattle. Yes. By the name of Kurt Duff- Cobain. Cobain. <laughs> yeah. Of uh, the originator. He started a band called Nirvana and then he quit and then he joined uh, Guns N' Roses later. That's what happened. Right? Yes. Tell us in the comments if that's what happened. I'm, I'm kind of confused about this part. Um, but yeah, so he'll come in later. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, Duff, the bass player, he's from Seattle. So the way that it all came about, it's actually kind of fucking confusing. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest too many like, people <laughs> there's just so many people in like the early like formation of guns and roses like i cannot keep the story straight in my head right so i'm just gonna 
I'm going to try to condense it into this. That's why when they wrote their books, they all accused each other of lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fucking remembers. There's too many people. Basically, so LA was like the height of the music scene then, yeah. right? It was all, everybody was just trying to be in bands, yeah. right? On the Sunset Strip and the whole, everybody was trying to be like Poison and Motley Crue and blah, Very blah, blah, glam. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Very glam. Mm-hmm. And there was just everybody, all these bands, and people say that people were just trying out different bands like fucking socks. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be in this band one day, I'll be in this band one day, blah, 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 blah. So right. there's just all these people coming in and out and there was these two bands that were kind of like circling each other yeah right there was la guns yes and hollywood rose right and i think hollywood rose had axel and izzy in it yeah and la guns had slash and steven adler yeah right yeah but then there was this whole they like lived together but then like the manager of hollywood rose wanted to fire axel because axel's can be a little, you know, he's a little butt sometimes. Just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened that time, but yeah. the fact that the manager wanted to get rid of him doesn't totally surprise me. It probably church theology, because, you know, Axel was so good, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. it's probably something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, their manager was a pastor. Yeah. And he <laughs> he was a little he was a little sick of the shenanigans. <laughs> exactly. You know? Um, but, but long story short, there was a bunch of fucking movement around these bands, blah, 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 blah. Right. And they, they basically ended up forming together yes. into one band. Yes. And, you know, it was LA Guns and it was Hollywood Rose. Mm-hmm. So it became Guns and Roses. Yeah. Which are kind of two hot names. I like LA Guns. I like how that kind of sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the 80s, you know, well, late, late 70s turned into 80s. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say, so obviously Guns and Roses came about. About a boot? Wow. Uh, the Guns N' Roses came about because of those two bands forming. Yeah. But I think the name Guns N' Roses is a perfect name for what the band became. Yes. Because it's like, they're very aggressive and dangerous, mm-hmm. like possibly a gun of some kind. Possibly. But at the same time, they can be very tender and sweet. Very tender and sweet sometimes. And, you like know, just, and, and you know, a good amount of the band members are not bad to look at, just like a <laughs> rose. But then when you grab the rose or you touch it, ta-da, <laughs> you're bleeding. Poison. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> you're cut. <laughs> um... Yeah, so so that's how the band gets together. And like I said, there's so much shit that happened between the LA Guns and the Hollywood River. I don't know all of it, honestly. So tell if you know like more of the backstory of that, tell us in the comments. Honestly, not really super relevant for what we're trying to get into. We're trying yeah. to talk about Guns N' Roses, okay? Yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you actually remember or were there, we're going to call you exactly what you are, a survivor. Yeah. So we'd like to honor you in the comments. Please bring, uh, come forth and let us know about the history. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, you are a survivor. We respect you. We appreciate you. And we want you to give us all your knowledge. All right. So tell us in the comments. Um, but yeah, so they all got together. And actually, wait. So the first tour that they went on, was organized by Duff. Yeah. And this is actually something that I still don't really know. Maybe you know. I still don't really understand how they met Duff. It, it didn't Duff know somebody? Duff knew Stephen Adler. Somehow. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Duff knew Stephen Adler. I mean, he was up in Seattle and he came down and he was with some band. He, he was in some like punk bands and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, this is probably like 
I mean, they're so close, the cities in a way. I mean, not like super close, but like, and and I know he knew Steven Adler. So that's, I don't know exactly how, you know, here's an invitation to join. Right, right, right. You know, I didn't, I don't know that. Well, I knew they were, that they they did a few rehearsals with their other bass player and they didn't really like him. So that's when he came in. But I feel like all the things that I learned, it was just like, oh yeah, then Duff joined the band. I'm like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) How does this, the guy from Seattle? Like, where does this come in? Like, (laughs) yeah, I know he did an audition. Like he was playing around and now he he read an audition for a bassist and it happened to be them. Yeah. So they liked him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well shout out to Duff. Duff's the man. Uh-huh. Um he actually he was like an honor student in high school and shit, like really like smart, like exactly. book guy, and then he just dropped out of high school to like play in punk bands. I'm sure his family was super excited about that. Very, very, very happy about it. I mean, I know. <laughs> I he, for real. Definitely coming from like an Irish Catholic family, you know. Yeah. They definitely want you to drop out and join like abandoned. Yeah, that's that's their dream for all of their children. Mm-hmm. Um, so he so, also was called Duff since he was a little kid, and it's not anything like hard rocking. He said it's just an Irish thing. Yeah, shout out shout out to Duff. Oh. I love Duff. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they get together, and they Duff booked a tour from L.A. back to Seattle, his hometown, and you know he, he was playing in punk bands, so we knew a bunch of like little clubs on the way too. Yeah. So we kind of like had the connections to make that happen. Yeah. And this tour ended up being a fucking disaster, <laughs> and it's funny because. I think actually Slash and Steven weren't technically in the band until they were about to go on the tour, right? Yeah, because in a way, they kind of um, hated Slash. In a way, they didn't want him to join the band. And Slash was like following them around for a while trying to join. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they knew he was like a Hollywood kid. I I don't know what the deal was. But they really hated him. He's just too good. (laughs) He's going to make us all look bad. That's probably what it is. Axel's like, hey, I'm the chick magnet here, right? (laughs) And Duff doesn't have to say anything. He's no. just standing there. He's like, really? <laughs> I'm just tall. <laughs> I'm just the tall, good-looking, blonde pretty guy. one. That's yeah. just me. I don't have to, you know, say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, so Duff booked his tour, and it was like, the other drummer and guitarist definitely could tell it was a little bit of a makeshift tour, because mm-hmm. they were like, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go on this tour. Right. And the thing is, I don't really remember their names, and neither does history, because right. guess what? You fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you really fucked up yeah. by not going on this tour. They didn't want to go on the tour, so that's when Slash and Steven came in, and they, they rehearsed for like two days before they went on the tour. Mm-hmm. So they're going on this tour from L.A. to Seattle, like, you know, West Coast tour, and their car breaks down, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. So you have one of two choices. Are you going to give up? Are you going to go back? <laughs> or are you just going to figure it the fuck out? You got to write this story, man. So they figured it out. They were like, shit, we'll just hitchhike a thousand miles with our guitars five guys on the fucking sidewalk like on the side of the highway in of leather course. jackets looking like we just got kicked out of a motorcycle gang yeah. with our with our guitars i'm definitely giving these guys a ride yeah i mean yeah who who isn't driving around with like a full cargo van that just happens to have room for these five men yeah that to give them a ride all the way up to seattle oh they must be part of some type of barbershop quartet yeah they must be singing doo-wop yeah on the side mm-hmm. <laughs> but so they eventually hitchhiked the entire tour yeah which is insane absolutely insane welcome to earlier times 
Yeah, you couldn't do that anymore. No, people would just beat you up just because you're hitchhiking. They're just like, I don't normally beat people up or stop on the road, but you're out here hitchhiking and I got to teach you a lesson. You look like someone that should get beat up. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, so they, they eventually made it to these shows and then, but then, you know, they're they literally just started as a band. So nobody was at these fucking shows. So then the club promoters are trying to like not pay them at all. Yeah. And fucking Axel's like basically like assaulting the club owners. Like we need, we gotta, we need some money or we're going to fucking die. We need to eat. Like we have no money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Jesus would do. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And his manager, that was the pastor. That's what he suggested. He was like, God wants you to rob these club owners. Yes. And Axel was like, well, who am I to argue with God? (laughs) Right? So that's what they do. And they eventually, you know, they make it back to L.A. And after that, you know, they're just like this. Yeah. They're like, we've already been through the shit. This was our first tour. Chapter one. Chapter fucking one in the... What a crazy way to start a band. Yeah. Like, that's based... That's forging a band in the fire. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. You know what I mean? There's no easing into it. They're just like, all right, we're hitchhiking a thousand miles to play fucking rock and roll music. Because what are you going to do? I mean, in America, like, LA is like the epitome. Like, you've already been there. To the beach, to the sun, to the fun, to the girls, to the music. Like, you know... Go on tour. Go hitchhike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it just shows how, like, dedicated they were and how real they were. Yeah. Because there's a lot of other, you know, bands from this time. Would they have done that? (laughs) Mm, I'm not going to call anyone out. I think there's a lot of, like, pretty boys from this era that were not about to just try to hitchhike a thousand miles to play a show and possibly make five dollars. Exactly. And break a heel? No. (laughs) (laughs) And by the time they get there, their hair would be all flat. Exactly. You know what I mean? Nobody wants that. Nah. Um, so they were just always really fucking about that rock and roll shit. Like yeah. that was all they knew. Mm-hmm. Like that was all they were trying to do. Yeah. So they get back and get back to LA and now they're playing the clubs in LA when again, they're just so different from all these other fucking glam bands. Mm-hmm. They're just real. <laughs> they're just they're living in a studio that doesn't even have a bathroom. Right. There's like five guys sleeping on the floor. It's like a 12 by 18 <laughs> studio. It's fucking crazy. These guys are insane. Like, I think there's a quote from like Jimmy Page and like Ozzy Osbourne that they like lock their doors immediately. <laughs> you know, they were like, whoa. <laughs> They're like, what are, what's going on with these kids? <laughs> They're scared. These kids are scary. No, if I were these old bands, I would love these guys because, you know, you're going into, you're watching like the glam happen. You're watching like the 70s end. And then here come the 80s with these kids. I, I personally would love these guys and a lot of them did yes yeah but it's just crazy how you know they just worked their way up from you know i mean they were literally basically homeless yeah right and they went from that to just they start playing all these clubs in la and they start to just create such a a buzz for themselves yeah that it's kind of hard to ignore yeah definitely hard to ignore and i do want to pop in here and say homeless in la is different as opposed to homeless in new york Well, you don't need as many coats. <laughs> I was telling the story to my brother one day, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this person, he's like a surfer type. He's out in L.A., and my brother's like, oh, he's a bum. And I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, 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 those are surfers over there, but over here we call them vagrants. And yeah, that just reminded me of Pulp Fiction. He's like, what do you want to do? I want to, you know, I want to wander the earth. Uh-huh. He's like, so you want to be a bum? <laughs> With no currency and no job, that's what you're going to be, a bum. But anyway, not to get off topic here. Um, we're still in L.A. With we're, still in LA. we're still yeah. in L.A. We're still in L.A. And Guns N' Roses are still in L.A. Yep. 
So they're building up this huge following. Because oh, man. nobody's seen some shit like this before. Because yeah. they are, like I said, like they are the real fucking deal. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. That's why everybody was drawn to them so much. Because you're talking about an era where everything is so commercialized and sensational. Yes. And then here they come in. They're just like, yo, we're just trying to get fucked up and play rock and roll music. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Yeah. They definitely hit the polar extreme of the excess on the other side, you know, of that yeah. pole. Like it was like crazy. Um, but yeah, they had like one of like when, when the music comes out, it's still like the biggest or one of the biggest debuts in music history. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still a lot that happened. You'd be going into yeah, that. It's just insane. I'm just saying like yeah, yeah, where no, they're going is like, it's like swelling. Like, you know, like this is really some storybook type shit. Like you would never expect this to really happen. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's crazy how big they got, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, and this is, I've, I've said this to you before. This is like how I can compare like the glam bands to guns and roses okay like motley crew right yeah they look like some guys that would try to like steal your girl right yeah but guns and roses look like some motherfuckers that would rob you for heroin money <laughs> <laughs> like it is not the same thing it definitely <laughs> it is just so different yeah um it's and- like your girl's going with them anyway and you know <laughs> you know they might as well rob you yeah. while they're at it. <laughs> it's like oh that's a nice watch <laughs> You don't need that, do you? <laughs> but um, yeah, so they they obviously they get a they develop quite a following in the scene. Yeah, and then eventually they play a show. Where there's like twenty record label A and R people at this like one show. Yeah, and, I love the word of mouthness of this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is how it had to go back in the day. Yeah, but know? I mean that's just so great. Still, like you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just everybody knows. Like, have you seen this band? Yeah, there's and it gets nothing to, like this. It gets to corporate. That's yeah. insane. Like, I love that. Yeah. And it was so corporate, everybody was trying to sign them. Uh-huh. But there was only really one label that was willing to let them do whatever they wanted. Yeah. And that was Geffen Records, led by David Geffen. Shout out to David Geffen. Who, yeah, we got to shout him out. He's just great at finding talent and yeah. letting the talent do what they do. His stamp is everywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he he was like, okay... He wasn't going to offer them as much money as some of these other people. Yeah. But he was going to let them do whatever the hell they wanted. And he was going to kind of nurture them to to become the best that they could be. Right. And as a songwriter, that was really important to Axel. Like Mm -hmm. the creative freedom. Yeah. Which he definitely took full advantage of. (laughs) Yes, he did. studios. (laughs) And so they got signed to Geffen. And they start, you know, laying down the sound. And it's funny because... The whole time that they were a band, even before they got signed, they were so all over the place that the whole vibe is kind of like, this could all fall apart at any second. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, before they had any fame, before they had... Like, Axel was always showing up late to shows before anybody knew who the fuck they were. Right. Like, all the band members were getting wasted all the time. It's not like they just started doing that as they got successful. That that had been just who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so interesting about it, too, because... It's like when they play together, the way they support each other in terms of like the music. Yeah. It's like it comes out like that. It yeah. doesn't come out as if like they're like, okay, well, w- you know, really thinking hard about what they're going to do. Right. It seems like they just step in a room and start to like support each other musically. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. And people have said it's like, yeah, like when they would be on stage, like they would just be so on the same like page that mm-hmm. it would look like they were even like choreographed sometimes. Yeah, but I they can't weren't. Believe it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, just, that's just what they did. Exactly. You and know? you can totally feel that. 100%. Yeah. That's cool. So they're in their studio. They're bankrolled by Mr. Geffen. Mm-hmm. Right. And they lay down a few, couple little nice little pretty little ditties. 
and they record this album called Appetite for Destruction. Yes. And again, not does not sound like any other thing that's coming out at the time. No, no, but it's rocketing up the Christian charts. Yeah, Christian Rock <laughs> loved this band from the beginning. You could hear Welcome to the Jungle on churches all around the country. But no, so, so well, let, let's talk about for a second, like, why the music is so good. Yeah, yeah. It's just so, it's just gritty. It's like punk. It's blues. It's metal. It's just like this whole fusion of, like, genres mm-hmm. that you could really feel the authenticity in it yeah yeah and they're another band who pretty much look like what they're bringing to the table yeah you know i mean axel just looks (laughs) totally wild (laughs) alex just looks totally wild alex alex rose (laughs) shout out to alex i gotta keep that in now that you said that (laughs) shout out to alex rose Alex just looks totally wild though. And um no, and you know, and he definitely brings like that screeching energy. He looks like it. Um He's a bit of a banshee. Exactly. Slash looks completely mysterious, you know, mm-hmm. and he's doing it almost on purpose. He's a bit of an exhibitionist, you know what I'm saying, with the hair and the yeah, hat. Yeah. And then also Duff looks punk, yeah. which is odd. You know, I never really noticed it, noticed it until I like read up on him like yeah, he does look like a punk rocker. Yeah. Like, a lot. And, you know, Izzy is, like, definitely great as, like, rhythm because he looks kind of country blues in a way. Right, right, right. You right. know, and Steven looks like Animal in a way, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a wild drummer. I, I always used to kind of call him Steven Adderall in a way. Because, <laughs> like, that's... I love that. Because that's what he is. That's hilarious. You know, but, yeah, so... And um, I always love the way... Um, slashes guitar supports axel it always like sounds like axel is singing and nothing can like cut into his singing but slashes guitar always sounds like somebody's kind of like whispering in your ear while you're singing in a way yeah it's almost like he's boosting axel's vocals up yeah yeah yeah. yes axel just a crazy amazing voice slash it's funny because he said like a big reason the way that he presented himself the way he was because he was actually very shy mm-hmm. right so he had like um you know he was always had the long hair in front of his face he had the glasses on the hat because he didn't really want necessarily everyone to know who he was like that yeah and a lot of the time you know he wanted to just let his instrument speak for himself yeah and that's one of the it's like you kind of know everything you need to know about slash from listening to him play yeah it's you so know what true. i mean it's true and he authentically looks like the type of person that is a little bit shy and doesn't like to be like the the chattier person yeah but but there is like a deity that looks like Slash, though, that wears the hat and is like mysterious and stuff like that. And sometimes they'll show him in like cartoons. Frank like, Zappa? <laughs> it's like this some guy? Louisiana. Um, exactly. It is. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's him. You tell us the difference between these two <laughs> dolls up here. Um, but yeah. Anyway. But and yeah. I want to shout out uh, Duff's backing vocals too. Yeah. And his harmonies. He, yeah. The backing vocals that, that uh, Duff does added adds so much to the sound that I didn't even realize until I you know I got older and I was really kind of like dissecting music. Mm-hmm. But he adds a lot that way and his bass playing is also great. Mm-hmm. Izzy's a great uh, rhythm guitarist. He really fills out the sound. And then Steven has... He, he has a lot of personality in his drumming. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very interesting, like, bounce to yeah. it. It's not, like, very... It's not super straightforward. Right, yeah. His arms are always kind of, like, out and bent. It's kind of, yeah. like, around the drums as opposed to, like, hitting center. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're working on their debut album, mm-hmm. Appetite for Destruction. Mm-hmm. And they put it out. Mm-hmm. And it 
it does all right when they put it out, but it doesn't really make a lot of waves. And especially, you know, for the time and the money that Geffen put into them, mm-hmm. it wasn't what they were expecting. Yeah. So Geffen gets pissed. <laughs> they made a they made a music video. Yeah. For Welcome to the Jungle, and MTV refused to play it. Yeah. They yeah. were like, "This is." Violence. (laughs) This is too violent for us. Okay, (laughs) we're MTV. We're a classy organization. We're not going to be sullied by these guns and these roses. We definitely are not. And they're like, "Well, what about the video? Is violent? They play it, and MTV is just like that guy, that guy with the red hair. He just looks violent. He just he has this craziness in his eyes. We don't (laughs) need this on our airwaves. Okay, we don't condone this." Until the money comes in. Exactly. <laughs> so They were like only playing it at night. After they got their arms bent, you know, maybe from the bigger wigs that actually probably subsidized MTV. They were like, look. Well, what I heard is that Gavin himself basically begged them yeah. to play the video. Yeah. He was like, come on, guys. Like, this, this band is fucking great. The song is killer. Just play the video. Just play it one time. And they're like, you want us to play the video? Okay. We'll play it one time. At like four in the morning on a Sunday. (laughs) All right. How about that? He's like, whatever, please just play it. So MTV plays at one time at like the shittiest time spot they could ever possibly give it. Right. And immediately after they play it, their phones are lighting up. What was that? Exactly. Play that again. That was the craziest shit I've ever seen. I want more. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It just went like wildfire. Like it just, I mean, that's awesome. Like Mm -hmm. that just like lighting up all the airwaves and stuff and them just... Going from not even being able to be played to going to being played like everywhere. Well, it's something, it's interesting. It's something that we kind of talk about sometimes. It's like at the end of the day, when it comes to music and really anything, like kind of art, like the people are the ones that have the power. Yeah. Because you can have like a label that tries to create something that like push, push it down people's throats. It, some people might buy it. But if you have something the label isn't necessarily trying to push so much, but everybody is flocking to it. Guess what the next big thing is? You know what I mean? The people really have a lot of the power when it comes down to what's actually selling and what's actually influential. Yeah. And this is the case. It's like MTV did not want people seeing this fucking video. Exactly. And that's so silly, MTV. Who in the world do you think is up at four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? (laughs) Somebody that's like 20 something years old. Strung out. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really good. They don't have to go to bed. They're they're in college or they're done with college or whatever. You know what I mean? That's who's up. Like. And then as soon as all those calls come, are coming in, MTV changes their tune real fast. <laughs> They're like, oh, I guess there's money to be made here. Interesting. Oh. They walk into the offices, which are like, you know, really like a hole filled with like people that are over 50 in suits. And they're like, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're cool. <laughs> exactly. And you're fired. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, so now all of a sudden Guns N' Roses is starting to rule the fucking airwaves. Mm-hmm. And they put out their second single. Yes. Sweet child of mine. Oh my. Do 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 do. The guitar riff on that song, fun is, fact, was yeah. originally just a little practice riff that Slash was messing around with. He mm-hmm. thought it was some kind of like fun circus sounding riff, mm-hmm. and he was just playing it as like a joke. And I think I think it was Izzy or maybe Duff that was like, "Whoa, what's that? I, exactly. I like that. You should, let's make something out of that." So they made this song, "Sweet Child of Mine," which is a beautiful love song. Let's talk about the way that song just builds up, mm. right? You know what I'm saying? Starting with like the riff. And then the, bass solo. the bass that comes into it, that's yeah. beautiful. And then the way, like, you know, the, the drums start to set up the doo like everything kind of flushes through. Yeah. Right? 
and then the build up then it builds right yeah 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 yeah. and it comes in and then you got the and then you got axel's voice which is just nobody sounds like that yeah yeah um i like when he goes um that remind as soon as he says reminds me of childhood memories the way like slash plays is just like boing like right with him that is like awesome like and that's what i'm kind of talking about the beauty of the way they kind of support each other mm-hmm. in like little parts of music that you or vocals that you don't really necessarily need to have that kind of support like in reminds that's not the end of the lyric that's not the beginning of the lyric he's not yeah. going super high but like that's like very memorable it's like let me slash is like let me accent this <laughs> yeah yeah the chef's kiss Just, uh what is it salt bay we add the salt yeah, exactly that's slash <laughs> Yeah, so so now and that song goes to number one. Yes, it's their only number one song. Right, right, right. So now it's been like a year since the album came out. Yeah, and now the album goes to number one. Yeah, and that is fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean that's I think almost more impressive than having it go out right when it comes out, exactly. like to number one right when it comes out. That's a slow burn. Right, that shows it has staying power, mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of just like it it hit when it needed to hit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now that album is like, it sold like 30 million worldwide. Like, yeah, 35 last time I counted. So, oh, really? Yes, I actually sat and counted and I was like, oh, wait, one million. You know, I had, like, I mean, one, can you two, imagine how three. long it takes to count to a million? <laughs> oh my God, Unless no. it's 35. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, it's fucking insane. And it's one of the greatest selling albums ever. I mean, we're talking, if you're talking best selling albums, you're talking like Thriller. Yeah. You're talking like Led Zeppelin 4. Mm-hmm. Um, appetite for destruction yeah you know what i mean I, there's just not many albums that have sold that much ever yeah, yeah. take that beatles no, and it does yeah take that paula john you, you ugly guys motherfuckers. cut your hair for that no I'm just <laughs> but um and even duff was saying he was like yeah it went from being like you know we had like a little buzz in la to like now everyone all over the world knows us yeah and this is like this is an excess time yeah. in america okay like this is crazy it's the 80s this is almost wrong shout out to reagan <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah they just i mean it's but when you think of how big it is how big that album became it's fucking absurd yeah i mean you said 35 million yeah. think about that i mean that's like i don't know how many people what the population of america was at the time let's say it was 200 million right you take away the people that are too young to be buying albums, you take away the people that are too old that are like, ah, I remember when music wasn't all about the devil and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You take away all those people. Which was never, but anyway. <laughs> which was never. But, you know, this rock and roll <laughs> music, it's like a new level of devil worship. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you take away all of those people and you're left with just like the music buying public. Mm-hmm. Probably like half of everybody that was in the music buying public bought this fucking album. Everybody yeah. had this album. Like, yeah. It was just not, you couldn't stop it. It was mm-hmm. a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, like, you think about it, like, they literally went from hitchhiking a thousand miles to Seattle, being basically homeless, yep. to being the biggest band in the fucking world yeah. in, like, two to three years. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's like, it's almost impossible yeah. to do what, what they did. Yeah. It's it's too much. It's wrong. It's guns. It's roses. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like having a gun with a rose inside of it. What? <laughs> Instead of a bullet, you get a rose. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, yeah, they basically just became the biggest band in the world, and then they they wanted to keep the success going, mm-hmm. so they recorded um, what was it, the Spaghetti? No, 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 GNR Lies. Right, right. Um, which apparently they recorded in a day. Yeah. Which is also wild. Yeah, but that I could see because it's like you're super saturated with everything that you worked hard for. Mm-hmm. So everything is about music everything is about your guitar like you know now there's people that's fixing your guitar for you like it's just taking little things off of you right that hyper focus you onto things that you really need to do yes so if they're like okay well we need like 10 riffs like now like you can go in and kind right. of play okay. anything. i don't have anything else to worry about yeah, yeah you yeah. know so i could totally see that so that's also so. There's a lot of good things and a lot of bad things about this uh, EP. With great fame comes <laughs> great sobriety. Well, let me go with the good verse. For patience, yeah, is on that EP. Yeah, one of my favorite songs, maybe ever. I have a love hate relationship with this song. I was just gonna. Why say, is that? I love that. I'm song. just so moody with this song. Some days I'm like, I love this song, and some yeah. days I'm like, I don't want to hear this shit right now. Like, I don't know. Oh, it's so good, though. Yeah. And it's acoustic, so we should mention that. So it shows another side of more of a Roses side mm-hmm. of the Guns N' Roses, <laughs> you know? For sure. And it's just a beautiful... I think it's just a beautiful song. Oh, my God. Know? Roses are red. So is Axel. <gasps> Who's blue? I don't know. <laughs> slash. Slash. Slash when he almost dies and has to get an adrenaline shot to the yeah. heart. Yeah. Um, that, that's different. That's later. Um, oh, I can go for a while with this. Roses are red. Slash is blue. Duff is sweet. And so are you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and Izzy is too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that so the album does well, but there's also a lot of controversy in the album because mm-hmm. they have what was it one in a million? Yeah. Where <laughs> honestly, Axel says a lot of slurs against a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I listened to that song the other day. I'm like, this is fucking wild. Yeah. I'm like, why did you put this out? Like. <laughs> I don't even know what his like justification was at the time. Like he's um, putting himself in like a character or some shit. Like I don't even know. And then some of it was like him saying that he went through so many different experiences, and these are his personal experiences. He's not talking about everybody, all right? Yeah. So calm down. Yeah. He's talking about that one specific guy or or girl or person or whatever. Yeah, well, he fucking, he really went for it on that fucking song, Jesus. And he just, I mean, he was using a lot of words that he probably shouldn't have been using. Some words that start with some Fs, some words that start with Ns. Yes. And Slash was not very happy about that. No. Considering Slash is mixed, his mom is black, his dad is white, and Axel is fucking saying this shit on a song, and he's like not, you know, very happy about that. Yeah. And I think at this point is when it kind of becomes, the band kind of becomes like, how much shit are we willing to put up with from Axel? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what this kind of says to me. The fact that they just still went along with it. Mm-hmm. And because that is kind of how it progresses more is like as they get bigger and bigger, Axel just kind of tries to take more and more control yeah. of basically everything. Yeah. You know, it, obviously we'll get to that. Um, so after that, they're like, hey, guys, let's take a little break. <laughs> we need a timeout. We need a timeout. Axel's swearing and cursing. He's offending. Maybe it was the swell of rap music. He was like, hey, man, they're using those words. So everybody could use those words. I'm glad you actually brought up rap music because yeah. it's funny. Everyone talks about it like, oh, rap music. The language is so blah, blah, blah. It's so awful and blah, blah, blah. There are some Guns N' Roses songs that are just as fucked up, if not more fucked up, than, like, any rap song I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, their shit on Appetite for Destruction was, like, 
gross in yeah. a way. Like it was fucking grit. Like, yeah, that's why Axel started rapping after. There's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's literally what was it? Uh, it's so easy. There's a lyric. Uh, turn around, bitch. I got a use for you. Besides. You ain't got nothing better to do when I'm bored. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> like, I still, to this day, I hear that. I'm like, that's probably the most fucked up lyric I've heard in a song. That's quality lyrics. Because it didn't even, it wasn't like I'm portraying a character. Like, yeah, I'm going to shoot everybody, blah, blah, blah. That just sounded like some shit he might have actually said to somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's fucked. And also, thinking about that song, Axel has so many voices. Yes. It's kind of crazy. I remember when I first heard that song thinking it was a different singer. Yeah, yeah. He's um, loaded with... I mean, he's loaded with demons. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> kind of crazy. I believe it's diagnosed crazy. Oh, my God. And the way that he can switch voices it's, so oh, fast. The low one is the scary one. Yeah, his regular speaking voice is actually, like, very low. Yeah. You know, he kind of just talks, like, you know, kind of down here. But then he sings over here. You know, (laughs) it's crazy. And, like, I've seen content where he'll just be like, everybody, you know where you are? You're in the fucking jungle, baby! (laughs) And somebody, I remember, like, one of their friends saying, like, if somebody came up to me on the street and was talking into that normal voice and then went into that scream like that, I would think they were a fucking demon. Exactly. And I didn't even think about it until he said it, but I'm like... That's pretty fair. Yeah. I would also think this guy's a fucking demon. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. I've only seen people do those voices on like weird hood movies where it's like a person's like high on crack or something like that and they're talking regular and then you offend them somehow and then they go real low. Yeah. Like, look, and you're just like, oh. But that's just Axel's life. That's just how <laughs> Axel lives his life. Um, so anyway, so after um, GNR lies, they took a little break. Yeah. Which turned out to be a terrible idea. Right. Because here you have these people that, again, they were already into drugs and alcohol and shit way before any fame, way before anybody who, who they were. Mm-hmm. And now they're super successful. Yeah. And they have money and shit. So it's like now, the only thing that was keeping them kind of in line was that they were always writing, they were always touring, they were always doing music, which yeah. was always, at the end of the day, they always said like, even though there were so much fucked up things going on, they were all fucked up all the time. When it came down to being a band, when it was time to go, like they were all ready to go. Yeah, they had a really and good ethic. And the reason why like the first members started leaving the band was because of poor work ethic. Like even if you did your drugs, like you had to show up yeah, to work. Exactly. And, and, and it's weird because we didn't have social media back Back then like as a country but i think that's the reason why like if you take time off for too long back then you could easily kind of be forgotten about like yeah because you could just fall into the abyss basically. yeah you couldn't remind somebody every day on social media that you were like feeding your cat or, yeah you know what I'm you saying? could be like oh i'm working on this new riff today right it's like you got an album out or you don't <laughs> you on tour or you're not <laughs> then you don't exist right but anyway so they took a break and then yeah they just had all this time to just go even further into their fucking drug habits mm-hmm. And the person who went the furthest was Steven Adler. Right. And it became a big problem. Yes. Because after they get back from their little time off, they're starting to get together to make their follow-up yeah. to the biggest debut album ever. Right. And Steven was just so into the heroin at the time that he literally couldn't even play his drum tracks. Yeah, it starts to affect his work. Like, that's the problem, Steven. And it's funny because we've talked about this before in other podcasts because, you know, a lot of musicians, you know, they do a lot of drugs. I don't know if y'all do this. Uh, you know, a lot of successful musicians, uh, not always the most sober. Sometimes. 
But um, it happens a lot. And we've said before, it's like if everybody's doing drugs, at one point is it like at what point is it like, okay, you specifically gotta go. You're right. doing too many drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? When everybody's fucked up all the time. Right. Although apparently Axel was never that much into the drugs. I didn't no. want to say that. Right. It was the alcohol and the anger for him. Very Christian. <laughs> the anger is his drug. Yeah, yeah. Very Irish Catholic of him. <laughs> <laughs> but so so Steven couldn't play any. He just couldn't do what he had to do anymore. Right. And they fucking fired him. Yeah, got to go. Which obviously was not good for him. He just went further to depression and, and drug addiction after that. Right. But it is fair. And no reason to hate the band for something like that. They're a band after all. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. And, you know, I see interviews with him now and I still feel kind of bad for him. But mm-hmm. it's like at the end of the day, if you can't do your job, like we got to get someone that's going to do your job. Like yeah. we, there's a lot going on here, bro. That's what the arguments are probably like. Yeah, fuck you, man. You're always fucked up too. Hey, man, but I show up. <laughs> fucking time man. i play my goddamn guitar okay <laughs> so they fired steven and it's interesting i feel like that really is the beginning of the downfall that sucks yeah right because the real magic of that first album was those five guys hey four you guys should have rallied no i'm just kidding I don't know. But it's one of those things like you can't help someone that doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm sure they I'm sure they talked to him first. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure it wasn't just like, oh, these drums don't really. You're gone, bro. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sure they were like, hey, man, like this isn't working out. Like we got to clean it up. And he didn't. He couldn't do it. Right. 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 Yeah. Totally understandable. And the culture of the day too. the 80s is like one minute you're in next minute you're out it was the cold yeah. world back then but it's just so sad because again you know steven and slash you know they've been friends since like middle school mm-hmm. and like we said they went on this whole this that tour really bonded them together and that's why the five of them were so tight that yeah. original tour they went on and obviously steven was part of that and now they just lost part of that mm-hmm. um so they replaced him with matt sorum from the cult right who is a great drummer yes but again steven's parts had so much personality to they it did. that Absolutely. you can't really replicate yeah you know so Matt does a good job, but there's definitely the chemistry is different for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. So they're in the studio and they're working on the follow up. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know when they settled on the whole idea of the marketing for this, <laughs> but it is such a perfect example of excess. Okay. It is so fucking funny how they did this album. Right. Use your illusion, right? They had, they just were, they want Axel really was like, we got to one up appetite we got to do shit we never did yeah we got to bring in different elements we got to make this music way bigger and better yeah you know, just again excess it yeah. needs to be the biggest possible thing it meet the music videos have to be ridiculous yeah we're gonna have slash playing a guitar solo out front of this church in the desert Best and we're gonna have ever. a fucking helicopter filming it and i'm gonna jump off an aircraft carrier that we read from the fucking army exactly <laughs> and, like just crazy just excess yeah and to me the peak of this is like okay Okay, so we have so many songs from so many different like things that we're trying to do that we have two albums. Yeah. And most people would be like, okay, so we're going to put out a double album. Yeah. Called Use Your Illusion. Two. <laughs> also. <laughs> <laughs> but they did not do that. No. They were like, we're going to put out Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2 as two separate albums That's right. at the same time. Yep. So you got to buy both of them. That's and what guess you do. what? You're gonna buy both of them because we're guns and fucking roses. Okay. And what did people do? 
They bought both of them. They bought both. They bought both of them. It's so fucking crazy. User Illusion 1 and 2 both sold like 5 million copies like the day that it came out. Yeah. It's just insane. This is just the this is just such excess in the music industry. It's not too only much. not only the music itself which is becoming way bigger and you know there's obviously User Illusion 1 and 2 there's great stuff on these albums. Yeah. But it, the sound is so much different. Yeah. You got keyboards, you got strings, you got... Yeah, I would say a little bit more refined on the gun and on the rose, okay? Yeah. So I don't... I'm not a gunsmith, and I don't know... I'm not a florist, but please put in the comments, what's the most refined gun and refined rose that you can find? Because these two albums were freaking bangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They yeah. absolutely were, and it's just... I don't know. It's just so funny. Like, the whole thing is just so... It's just it's such an example of excess. Like, yeah. that's all I think of the whole time. It's like, we have to make the biggest possible albums that we can with the biggest drug intake still besides steven obviously um actually i think izzy got sober around this time yeah um anyway we gotta have the the biggest music videos we're talking about million dollars millions of dollars spent on these music videos you know how you know it was excess let me just break down axel's wardrobe around this time <laughs> let's start from head to toe axel had a flat iron hairdo okay flat iron they brought that out Sometimes he had glasses on. Sometimes he had a suit jacket. And sometimes he had on really fitted tapered jeans with a hole to let you know he's about that life. But it went from t-shirts and messed up leather boots to uh, suit jackets and glasses. It's biker shorts that are way too short. With a fur, fur coat. Yeah. You gotta do that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so they put out... <laughs> The user illusions mm -hmm. one and two, <laughs> and again, it, it the music is great. Yeah. I mean, they I feel like there were some tracks that weren't amazing mm -hmm. between the two of them. I think if they had just put out the highlights from both as use your illusion, yeah, I think it probably would have done better to be honest, right? I think so too, and it would have had more staying power, I think, because. To this day, Appetite for Destruction has a staying power. Yeah. I mean, I'll listen. I've probably listened to that album all the way through just as much as any other album that I've listened to. Yeah, it's a good one. Whereas User Illusions, I'll, there's certain songs that I'll listen to a lot. Right. But I don't know. How many times have you really listened to both of them all the way through? No, no, not a lot. But I will listen to like November Rain all the time. I'll yeah. listen to Don't Cry. Don't Cry. All right. So Use Your Illusion. So. Axel was dating this girl way back in the day, and then she's just like, she calls him all of a sudden. He's um, past the debut of the first album, and she's like, you know, my brother's coming to town, and he's looking to sing. And it just happens to be Shannon from Blind Melon. And the Shannon from Blind Melon shows up for background vocals. He's just hanging out with Axel, and Axel's yeah. like, hey, man, I love your voice, man. You want to do some background vocals on this uh, little ditty I'm working on? It's a small <laughs> album. Not a big deal. No big deal. And Shannon shows up, and he's actually in the video, um, the helicopter scene at the top for Don't Cry. You can mm. see him there, which is weird, because as a kid, I never noticed him, and, and Blind Melon kind of came around the same time. Yeah. I didn't that. even know that. And I didn't know he, he's in the video, though. Damn. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's and he cool. and Duff kind of have similar voices, so they like blend in oh. with that haunting kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so that happened. I didn't know about that. <laughs> that is a thing. It did happen. And um yeah, no, the user illusion albums sell great. Yeah. So what do you do? You go on tour. Yes. 
And we're talking about excess here. <laughs> so what are we going to do? We're going to have the biggest, longest tour that's ever fucking existed. <laughs> we're going to be on tour for like three years. We're going to circle the, the globe twice. Yeah. And at this point, it's just getting so big that it's just bound to fall apart. Yeah. And like we were saying before, like the entire time that this band existed, there was a feeling like it could fall apart at any moment. Which is kind of what made it so good. Yeah. But now it's like, and Duff, Duff was saying at this point, it's just a fucking machine. Yeah. There's just so much, like, I mean, you're employing hundreds of people. There's so much money involved with this. It's like, now it's like not even, you know, it's not really fun as much anymore. Now you're just getting pushed along. Like, you got to do this. You got to do this. You right. gotta, that's how Duff said that he felt at the time. Yeah. What's the briefing like for these meetings? It's like, hey, if you are ever thinking of having a life of value, family, kids, retirement. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're Geffen Records and we own you. Um, no, no, no. So at this point, not only do they have a new drummer, yeah, but Izzy is sober and he's getting real sick of everybody else being completely fucked up all the time. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. This is just too And again, he's all, he was always been like a, a quiet kind of guy. Right. And this, they're, they're the biggest band in the world. There's there's eyes on them, ears on them, everything. There's this whole machine wrapped around them. He's like, I'm, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I just don't want this to be my life anymore. Yeah. Which I respect. That must have been really hard for him to do. Yeah. But he did it. He definitely did. And the band was definitely getting fragmented. You know, um, Axel makes that speech on stage talking about heroin abuse and it's like Duff and Slash to kind of feel away. Oh, about I was forgot I always forgot about that. That yeah. was they were opening for the Stones, right? Yeah. And they yeah. were talking about I think they were about to sing Mr. Brownstone. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh Axel's just like, Oh, we gotta address an issue here with people fucking around with Mr. Brownstone and then Slash has to come out and admit it and Slash said like at that moment it used to be them against the world, like as a band. And I can understand that like thought process. And he's like yeah. when Axel just decides to get up on stage and say that to the crowd about them on stage he was like that's when yeah know. that's a fucking dick move guy yeah, yeah. to say that because yeah he was like if so if some of these people don't stop messing around mr brownstone right. this might be the last guns and roses concert you ever see and yeah it's like say that to them not on stage right like why you gotta do that yeah like i would be fucking upset yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That's... and again this is what i was saying before it's clearly at this point it's, it's just like how much shit are you willing to put up with from Axel mm-hmm. to continue to be in the band right. is really what it became. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it seemed like it was kind of a good move because the band did get its shit together a little more. Right. Before they went on this huge tour. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so then Izzy left. Yeah. He got replaced by Gilby mm-hmm. Clark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so now the members are starting to drop. I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's becoming like Chicago. It's it's becoming like Chicago. <laughs> um Shout out to the band Chicago. They're great. Check out Um, our podcast on Chicago. Yeah, check out our Chicago podcast. (laughs) Check out our podcast on Chicago the band and also Chicago the city. (laughs) But, um, so they embark on this tour and Axel is just getting wilder and wilder Mm -hmm. the more successful he is. And it's not even a drug thing. It's really just an ego thing at this yeah, point. Yeah, an ego thing. And all you need, I mean, he didn't have, like, alcohol issues. I don't. It wasn't, like, a rehab issue. But, like, all you need is kind of, like, a little bit of alcohol when you have an ego issue. Honestly. Yeah. So Axel, you know, he starts to really believe that, oh, Guns of, I am Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Guns N' Roses is me, and I am Guns N' Roses. It's, it is what it is. See Roger Waters down below. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out. He takes a page out of Roger Waters' book uh, from Pink Floyd, and he's like, "I am Guns N' Roses." 
and he starts doing crazy shit. I mean, so the most the most infamous is this thing that happened outside of what was St. Louis, right? Right. And we were just talking about this before. This is such a legendary thing. It's not cool, really. No, no. It would have been cool if he kept playing, but he didn't. Yeah. So he was... First of all, his outfit is crazy. I'll put a picture of it right here. But yeah, he's wearing like a cop hat with yes. like a fucking fluffy like Fur coat jacket. and like super short shorts. White sheen like biker shorts. He was wearing shit during this tour that only he could ever wear. Absolutely. Nobody before or since has ever tried to wear some of the shit that he's worn. Sometimes you're cold and sometimes you want to work out. Yeah. And sometimes you want to stop people from doing things, which segues into what's happening right now. Yes. So, and also, I got to say, the dude that was filming this is also a fucking idiot (laughs) for being in the front, in the very front, because somebody was filming the concert, right? And this is before, you know, and now you go to a concert, everybody's on their phone all the time. You don't even know if they're taking a picture. You don't know if they're filming, whatever. Like, you can't look at somebody on their phone like, hey, get that shit out of here. Like, you know, that would be, you would be doing it all the time. There would be no show ever. Right. And this guy's flashing. I don't think he's like filming only. Like, right? Isn't this, he's like flashing in his face or am I just dreaming this up? I don't, I didn't hear about that. Okay. What I heard is like, because back in the day you had like a camcorder, right? You had to put it on your shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Like it was a big thing. And this guy is like in the front row. Okay. So he's like standing there like <laughs> an axle this is <laughs> Dude, that reenactment was pristine it's okay. so fun this is the best part of this to me is because like we said before axel is a man of many voices yeah and he can go from the highest scream to the lowest low of his normal voice yes. so fast he was singing this song rocket queen and it literally it sounded like something this here i am a rocket queen hey Hey, take that. Find that guy and take that. Like it, the the difference is just so fucking scary. It yeah. makes me laugh. I mean, yeah. like I I rewatched that video so many times. It is so funny to me. Here I am. Hey. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so crazy. He's like, "Hey, somebody get that." And then security didn't go to get it and it's like he didn't really give him a lot of time to be honest. <laughs> no. But, it was immediate. He's like, "All right, I will." He's like, "Take that. Take that." He says like the, Three times only. Somebody get that guy and take that. How are we supposed to know what you're talking about? Yeah. He's like, all right, I'll take it, damn it. And he does the most aggressive stage dive. <laughs> this is how you know that he had been in fights and he had been in and out of jail. Yeah. It wasn't like, uh. It yeah. was, he fucking dove at this he guy. He did. And if you kind of <laughs> slow it down, which I never have, but having to think about it, I feel like his arms were kind of like twisting in the air. Like oh, he yeah. Like he was preparing. Yeah. He was ready to swing the whole time. <laughs> and then, yeah, he dives in and he tries to get this shit. And then you can even see he's swinging at people while he's in the crowd. Yes. Which is a dangerous place to be because there's a crowd, hundreds, not, maybe not hundreds, tens of thousands of people there. And there's one of him in the crowd now. Yeah. And the band's playing the whole time, which I also think is great. Yeah. I want to pause for one of our questions at the beginning. Is it possible to have nothing to lose and have everything to lose <laughs> at the same time? Well, if you're Axel, <laughs> I think the answer might be yes. Yeah. So he dives on the guy. He, he eventually gets back on the stage. And he's like, all right, thanks to this lame-ass security, I'm going home. <laughs> Throws the mic on the ground, walks off. Yeah. And it's really crazy because, you know, it's a shitty situation for the band because they kind of have to follow. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, okay, Duff, go sing for Axel. You can't do it. Yeah. You just can't do it. No. So they had to get off too. And they were saying that backstage, they could hear the, the noise of the crowd go from cheers 
to like this low, angry rumble. Yeah. And they start just throwing shit at the stage and they literally, a riot breaks out. A literal riot breaks out. They're like, hey man, he said he's going home, so we're out. Like, <laughs> it's not a house party, man. Yeah, it's fucked up. And I mean, he literally gets arrested for inciting a riot. Yeah. They said they were driving and you can see like slashes or somebody's like amp on the street, like for miles, like this yeah. thing went on. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, they destroyed their equipment. They destroyed the state. They destroyed this arena, which apparently had just been completed. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, like, we were talking about in our Queen podcast. Yeah. How um, when they first started doing stadiums in, like, uh, South America, like, the governments didn't want them to do it because they were worried about what the, how the people would react. Yeah. And for with Queen, it wasn't a big deal because they were just such a, like, they had such love to mm-hmm. give out with the van. Mm-hmm. But basically, Guns N' Roses in this moment was the exact opposite of Queen because yeah. what happened here is exactly what those people were worried about. Yeah. And it's so funny because all the stagehands and stuff were kind of worried about this particular incident, too. Because, like, if you watch the video about it, they're like, oh, yeah, we were prepping for the day. So, you know, we had the lights. We were checking everything. Everybody's like, you're good. Everything's good to go. And one person was like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's good. We just got to wait to see what he's going to do. Oh, God. And so instantly everybody oh, just had- God. <laughs> That's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah, and that's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, this is not the only time that this happened. Right. There was another time, I think this was before, where they were like um, playing some festival in like Germany and like some people got like trampled, like two people died during their performance. Yeah. And that's when they started to be, to be known as like the most dangerous band in the world. Yep. Like, they, you know, they really had built up like kind of a reputation for this, unfortunately, which is scary. I mean, they literally were a scary band. Like, yeah. if you, you didn't know what the fuck was going to happen when you went to the show. And that, but that's the thing they're saying the whole time. It's like part of what made them so great is that it could all fall apart at any second yeah you really don't know and that is rock and roll yeah you don't know what's gonna happen on any night with this fucking band exactly. you really don't are you gonna get a gun or are you gonna are get you a rose <laughs> <laughs> they should have had a reality show where somebody's dating they should have made slash do it instead of uh that one that brett michaels did yeah exactly it would be Axel. Like, yeah. do you get the the sweet, kind <laughs> Axel, or do you get the angry, alcoholic Axel? That'd have been awesome. I would have watched that. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, but that never happened, unfortunately. We were robbed <laughs> of that show. Thanks MTV or VH1 or whatever. Um, so then after that, they go on tour. They also are doing some tours with Metallica, mm-hmm. a co-headlining show, which yeah. would have been fucking amazing to yes. be at. And... This is crazy because I always knew about the incident where James Hetfield got burned. Oh, another person that we have up here. Hey. James Hetfield got burned uh, by pyrotechnics at one of their show and he couldn't complete the show because he was like, I mean, he had like third degree burns on his whole fucking body. Like, (laughs) that's a pretty good reason to not be able to finish the show. Yeah. Excuses, excuses, James. Here we go again with him. (laughs) God damn it, James. (laughs) Um so so this is the perfect chance for Guns N' Roses to come save the day. Right. But then Axel gets out there and he's just being a fucking moody Axel. He's like, oh, I can't like hear myself well or whatever. I'm fucking going home. So then they <laughs> cut the set short too. Yep. And then another riot breaks out. Yep. And it's just like, Jesus, this is this is getting to be a lot. This uh, is going to be too much. It's too much. But the, the spell that they have over their fans is really intense. Because like the guy he actually beat up in the in the first riot. you know, <laughs> The St. Louis riot. You know to what clarify, I mean? yeah. He, they're like in the court case and, you know, Axel is there and stuff. And the guy just says to the news media, it's like, I was just, 
I just really wanted to get a picture of my friend, like somebody I thought that I like really loved and like adored and stuff like that. And he actually goes to Axel and is like, you know, would you still sign it? And Axel like looks up at him and um, is like, gives him a face like, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> well, what else would you expect from him? I mean, yeah. What do you think he's going to be like? Oh, well, would you say it like that? Exactly. But this is a, this is the beauty. This is the guns and roses of it all. Yeah. So, like, he, Axel looks up at him and he's like, you know, kind of with the face, are you kidding me? And then he pauses. The guy's name is Bill, too. <laughs> so um, he says to him, you want me to say it stability or Bill? And and like he signs it, and the guy the guy that got beat up is like, and that's why we love him. <laughs> I mean, that is a really good. You know, sometimes you get the guns, sometimes you get the rose. Exactly. Sometimes you get both. Yeah. He got both. Yeah, he definitely did. <laughs> He's a legend too. He's ben. a legend. <laughs> but um, yeah. At this point, it's just clearly all about to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And Axel, in addition to just being widely unstable. Yeah. Um, he's basically like, Hey guys, he says to slash and duff because they were the only original members left at this point. Mm -hmm. So I am guns and roses. If you didn't know, (laughs) and what I need for you two to do, even though we know we've been through all the shit together and we were fucking homeless in LA and we've gone to these peaks, you know, together, I need you to sign over the rights to the name guns and roses because i'm guns and roses and i'll be damned if any of you motherfuckers try to be guns and roses without me. And again, it's just kind of like, how much shit are you willing to put up with from Axel to yeah. be part of this huge thing? They did it. They did. Ugh. They put up with so much. And we, the people, put up with so much, too. I just want to say, like, just like reading their history is like, at this point, it starts to get kind of draining. They start yeah. to join different bands. And like the music is still, you know, with the exception of Axel, like the music that they're making, Velvet Revolver and all these things that they do, are it's good music, but it's draining. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, here we go. And by the time they get around to doing this, you know, legend of Chinese democracy, some album that they put into the ether. Right, right, right. You know, that they promised to bring out and all this stuff like that. Like, by the time they fall apart people are kind of almost relieved in a way well yeah okay so i'm glad you brought up chinese democracy because that was after they finished the huge user illusion tour which is years around the world multiple times (laughs) slash and duff already gave away the name Mm -hmm. and then axel starts getting working on this the next album chinese democracy which he promises this is going to be the greatest album you've ever heard basically like it's going to be amazing blah 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 yeah after like I don't think that much long of like them working on it. Slash and Duff were fucking out. Yeah. Slash left first and then Duff left. He said it wasn't even really like an ego thing or like whatever. He was just like, look, like I'm, I'm married now. My wife just had a kid. Like we're touring. It's exhausting. Like I was just dumb. I was just at a point in my life where I just didn't need this anymore. Yeah. Like we've been doing this for, you know, not even really that long, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing, this whole thing happened in less than 10 years. Yeah. Going from the you know fucking bums basically right Mm -hmm. to being the biggest band in the world to everything falling apart this all happened within a decade yeah which is crazy because i feel like as a band like the band that stayed together for like a while i feel like they usually hit their stride like 10 years in Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and they didn't really even get a chance to make that happen no 
But at that point, Slash and Duff leave. So now the only original member is Axel. Right. So now they start to play some shows as Guns N' Roses, and people are just like, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know Axel. They brought in a black guy. Um, he had an afro. They brought in an Asian guy. <laughs> they had a mariachi guy uh, in the back two on the drums <laughs> and people were they had an arabic guy they're just like this isn't the guns and roses that we know yeah what i mean and then and it took like years for them to even get back to that yeah. because axel was saying he's like yeah i mean we basically had to rebuild everything like the whole stage crew like everybody that went on the road with us like our management like we had to redo everything because clearly this was not guns and roses really anymore yeah like he had the rights to the name because he fucking got it out with an iron fist out of them. Mm-hmm. But like it clearly everybody knew this was not Guns N' Roses anymore. Right. Without Slash, without Duff, with Axel being the only original person, it's like this is basically Axel Rose and Friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's about the sound, the entire sound, not just the voice. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, as a band, like you get up together. Yeah. You get up and you get to these heights because of the sound that you're able to make as a collective. Right. And you know, if you're Axel, if you're someone with the ego at that level, you start to think, no, like, I'm the only reason we're successful. Everyone knows that. <laughs> you know what be, I mean? And be. that's why I think when they got rid of Steven, that was the start of the downward slope because that is when you, you really started to fuck with the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then the chemistry is what was keeping it together. And then, you know, it just kind of all went downhill from there. Yeah. Sometimes uh, bands, you know, but bands are down to earth people. So nobody's expecting to break up. But you should kind of follow the acting. If you put together a corporate band like a... I don't know, B2K or something. You should have like an understudy. You know, there should have been a Steven Adler understudy <laughs> so that when he drops out, it's like, oh, just bring in Jonesy. Bring in, yeah, bring in the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not what happened. So yeah, Slash, Duff, Izzy, or no, not Izzy. Slash, Duff, and Matt Sorum all left. Mm-hmm. They all they all formed Velvet Revolver right. with Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. which did very well, and I like their music. Me too. But it's not Guns N' Roses. No, it's like, and why are you here making this music that sounds good, but I'm confused as to why you're here? Well, because honestly, it's because they didn't want to work with Axel anymore. Exactly, and they still it. wanted to make music, but like, it's too, it's, it's not me, it's what sound you created mm. in me it's like the playback in me is confused you know what i mean it's like what's slash doing here with scott <laughs> what's scott there? doing here with slash <laughs> <laughs> this sounds good but i don't know if this is gonna make it and it didn't you know for other reasons you i know, mean it's still like they that. still went platinum absolutely look but, listen don't yeah. come for me this is a really good band a, a great band if anything yeah, yeah, yeah. oh velvet revolver okay like yeah. but it, i'm just talking about the confusion of it all it's just like oh my gosh and then like you know axel's like weird now it's just yeah, like yeah. all very draining but no yeah and also you gotta think it's like it's really to be any other band and then you have to compare it to guns and roses that's hard mm-hmm. it's just you're not gonna compare it's yeah. like it's like being like you <laughs> Let's say there was somebody that was a member of Metallica and he got kicked out and then he started his own band and that 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 band is always going to be compared to Metallica. That band is never going to be Metallica. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't matter what else you do. Guns N' Roses was special for a reason. Yeah. You know? And then then, like with Velvet Revolver, they're both members of bands that I wish didn't break up. Mm. It's just like what the hell? So it's kind of bittersweet. It's like, oh, so you have the time. You have the time. You just don't like each other. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, and the thing is with Axel, like, I get 
why somebody would get sick of him but at the same time like all those things that make him so hard to work with are why he's so great yeah yeah so this whole push and pull of the guns and the roses it's something that had been there the entire time and it it's always going to be there if those people are together when you get into music and you especially if you get into a band not necessarily a solo act you should you should make a pact as a, like a public servant it's like you don't get to quit today buddy yeah. all right the congressman doesn't wake up and say you know what i'm out no you finish your tenure and we decide <laughs> if you should leave or not. we'll vote you out if if you know necessary but um yeah, so Axel kept going around touring with Axel and friends for a while, and eventually they did reform. Yeah, which was which is cool. Yeah, I mean, Ax- oh, Axel sang for ACDC for a while, yeah. which is fucking crazy. Yeah, that must have been a dream for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually they did get back and they did some you know reunion stuff, and that's cool. And mm-hmm. it's cool that you know they were able to get to a place that they were able to do that. Yeah, and I ha- I also I really want to shout out Slash at this point just for like I feel like he's just. Even though he had times where he was, you know, way too drunk on stage and shit, like he seems so professional. Me too. Because when when you see him in interviews, like he's never really talking bad about Axel. He's yeah. just like, yeah, you know, he just kind of wanted to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, it kind of is what it is. And I've literally seen him like, I've seen videos of him like some dude rushed the stage and like tackled him, and he just still keeps playing the solo. Mm-hmm. Like he is a that fucking guitar yeah he really is and he's also like that chill la guy too yeah he's just like yeah man whatever um i definitely got to shout him out too in terms of like you know technology and media like they they name things after him like mm-hmm. he's got a pedal i got his pedal there you go i was like looking for it i don't know why up here yeah, I'm, actually, I'm trying to think of where it is right now i think yeah. it's in my closet i'm not gonna go get it but it's yeah. a great pedal it's a distortion on also an octave pedal and i think that's one of the reasons why he left as well too because like this is not uh an era where it was about like the lead singer mm. as much too it's about like all the members of the band and if you are just a standout you're just a standout he probably said to himself like i'm slash though like you know what i mean like <laughs> they had been in movies already by now like yeah. i think it was like the dirty harry movie axel couldn't be in it because he was at steven adler's bedside Odin. oh yeah like you know uh they were supposed to be in some dirty harry movie i read that and like Axel and that. Steve weren't in it, but the rest of the guys are in the movie. So they had like gotten pretty big for, you know, people to decide that they wanted to leave. Right, right. And I know Slash was involved in like, you know, other bands and like even production and stuff like that. He played with Michael Jackson. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Michael Jackson even attacked him on stage and he still stayed playing the solo. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't stop, okay? Uh, so yeah, I just want to shout out Slash also. He's, you know, he's one of my favorite guitar players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story of Guns N' Roses. I mean, they went from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs to having it all fall apart. Yeah. In true rock and roll style. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, they really lived it. Yeah. And they, here we are fucking talking about them. Exactly. They made it to the other side, which is awesome. Yeah, it is crazy that none of them are dead. Not even right. Steven. I mean, right. he had like a fucking stroke, like mm-hmm. a cocaine-induced stroke, and like his speech is fucked up. But he's still alive. They mm-hmm. still do interviews with him. He's still touring. Yeah. Um, his band is called Adler's Appetite, I believe. Nice. Because he had to cash in somehow. Of course. You know course, what I mean? Of course. And that, there's no copyright issues with that. No. You know? No. Um, so good for him. I, I, I respect that for him, you know, just going for it. And yeah. He's always playing drums. Like, he never let it completely destroy his life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which he totally could. If you're the biggest band in the world, you get kicked out. Like, 
some motherfuckers literally might kill themselves after this, some shit like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a total hats off to them. I'm like super proud of them just for that. Just for like being alive here, like more than 30 plus years later. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. 100 percent so shout out to all the guns Mm -hmm. shout out to all the roses (laughs) shout out to all you for watching this has been music maniacs with sight after dark if you like the podcast check out patreon.com slash music maniacs to help us continue doing this and to make more episodes just for you uh but until that time we're sight after dark we'll see you soon see ya welcome to the jungle